You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Shalom. This is to Stir With Love, a criminal justice reform podcast. Uh, last evening, we recorded a episode that dealt with two different issues. And there was so much information. It was very fascinating. Uh, we had a lot of input. So I've decided to present to you these episodes in two parts. So the discussion centered on two important points that were made by Rabbi Jacob Weiss last week from the Tzedek Association. And you're going to hear the first part right now. And this is the, the first question that was dealt with. And we will have in the subsequent episode, we're going to be, you're going to hear the second issue under discussion. I think you're going to enjoy it. Shalom. This is To Stir With Love, a criminal justice reform podcast. We have uh, an interesting panel here tonight uh, to follow up on that an Orthodox Jew, a man who not only um, more than just believing and in his own quiet way being Orthodox, but openly showing himself to be Orthodox, either with wearing the kippah, uh, even wearing beyond that, wearing uh, Hasidic type clothing at uh, at his hearings, um, keeping his uh, face with forelocks, the, what we call the Haredi look. Someone who looks like that and acts like that through this process, Rabbi Weiss said, could not be cannot get a fair trial, a fair sentencing, and there was even an implication, although we didn't expand on it, that his treatment during incarceration would also be one where he was uh, prejudiced against and would not, it would be unfair for him. Uh, he compared this to the same plight that uh, people of color have in sentencing and in prison. This was one statement Rabbi Weiss made, and we received feedback, whether this with us, um, Mr. William Rapfogel, who is the chief of staff for Howard Jonas, who is the uh, founder and in some ways the, uh, if not exactly the CEO, but also one of the, uh, the prime movers and of the IDT Corporation, uh, and Raphael, which is a, a pharmaceutical company and many other interests. Um, we also have with us David Grosky, who um, we have also with us David Grosky, who is the regional sales manager for Visiplex, and uh, Gershon Sternberg, who is a retired criminal defense attorney after serving many years in uh, primarily in Cook County in Illinois. Um, uh, I, I want to start here uh, with Willie, uh, Mr. Rapfogel. We're good friends because we obviously this. Um, why don't you respond to the first statement that Rabbi Weiss made of that someone who presents himself as an Orthodox Jew, looking like an Orthodox Jew or a Hasidic Jew, is not going to be sentenced fairly and continuously will not be treated fairly. And he's sort of in the same boat as someone who is behind the eight ball, like someone of color. How would you respond to that statement? Is, is it true? Oh, it's, it's absolutely true. First of all, prosecutors 
enjoy putting Orthodox Jews on trial, first of all, gives them the opportunity to say, we're not racist, even though 90% of the people we prosecute are people of color. But here we're going after these guys, we're making a mockery of them, and we're doing everything we can to put them away for a long as possible period of time. I mean, there's been a string of cases in New York, cases that in some other case, in other situations, people would be less likely to have been prosecuted, but the prosecutors want to show these people and set an example, number one. Number two, and something that I had personal experience with, was I had correction officers come over to me, particularly one who was a nice guy and used to tell me he used to play basketball in a Jewish community center, so he was trying to be my friend, and said to me, take off your skull cap. He said, when you wear your skull cap, you're basically the N-word by choice. That's what they saw Hasidic Jews or Jews who were very visible. They call them the N-word, Jewish N-word. And I was being a Jewish N-word by choice because I was wearing a yarmulke instead of taking it off where I could blend in. And that's the extent of how angry they are about this and about people who are observant and visibly observant. Um, and that's just the correction officers, the, the inmates. And again, not all inmates are like that. Some were very surprisingly tolerant and, and kind of got it. Uh, but there are many others who saw this as an affront to them and that, uh, you know, they perceive Jews getting special treatment, the Jewish kosher meals, and this is in the New York state system, which were the worst horrible food. I mean, the, the highlight of the week was the one day a week they gave you sardines, the tuna fish, the cheese, the salami, the bologna, was horrific, very little fruit and, uh, and vegetables in, in the diet. It was her- just horrific when you think about New York state as this progressive state, um, you, you just have to shudder and think about that diet. And yet people, until they actually saw what kosher Jews were eating, thought that they had a better diet than them. When they went on the kosher diet, they got off it pretty quickly. So, so, so you know, Willie, you, you, are, you know, you, you've owned all that when, in, in your trial and your sentencing, you, you wore a kippah. Did you feel that there was like a consternation against you and as if you were getting you were getting it, you were getting more punished more severely because you 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 showed yourself as an Orthodox Jew during the situation? Number one, the prosecutor in this particular case, who happened to be Jewish, although we sometimes would deny it, um, the head of the office um, had a personal vendetta and uh, he had his lead prosecutor in this case tell me on several occasions that if you got 300 letters from rabbis, it'll do you no good. And on several occasions, he also said that I am the God for you for the rest of your life because I will affect your life. Long when this whole thing is over, I will have the biggest impact on your life. So you you believe that, let's say you had been a, a secular Jew, also mm-hmm. accused of whatever you, 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 the trial you went on, right. you believe that you would have been treated and, and, and the sentence you received would have been less? Um, well, it depends. I mean, in my case, again, the, the 
the head of the office had a personal vendetta from the time that he was a state senator. And he carried out that vendetta with, with vengeance and got his office to do it as well. And people who wouldn't talk to me for several years after he, the this head of this office was found to be beating up women that he had relationships with and had to resign the office, all these old friends suddenly started calling me and saying, you know, I'm beginning to believe you about the vendetta now. After they wouldn't take my call or respond to emails for several years. So was, was, was it a personal, it wasn't, it was, you feel that this prosecutor. Well, yes, there's, there's no question that this was a personal vendetta. The fact that I happened to be Orthodox and wore a yarmulke certainly didn't help the situation because he didn't like Orthodox people in addition to having the personal vendetta. And he put the lead prosecutor in this case who had his own issues with people who were Orthodox. And it, it just came out throughout the entire process. Did your attorney ever um, advise you perhaps not to wear a kippah during this situation? Was that well, ever, he, ever he, came he, up? He said it a couple of times. Uh, he said about going to court without a kippah. Um, but I think he backed away when I was insistent that I'm not going to change and that I'm going to wear it. He also even said to me a couple of times I shouldn't wear it in prison. Um, and this was after him telling me that I would never be going to prison because their case was terrible. Um, so he, he wasn't really, uh, he, you know, he, he was in disbelief about the vendetta. I think that was his, you know, his big mistake. Oh. He just didn't get that. Um, before we get on, w- would you say there was, if there's an attitude that when an Orthodox Jew uh, shows up in, 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 in some sort of criminal case or whatever it is, there's sort of like the tisk-tisk type of attitude, the attitude being you represent yourself as something greater. You represent yourself as the chosen, holier yes. than others. And therefore, you are, what sort of hypocrite are you? You're worse than someone who uh, doesn't claim to be Orthodox, someone who's secular, the Orthodox who, who, who wraps himself in the mantle of, uh, of, of, of piety should be accused of whatever the crime is. Did you feel that that was something that was happening in terms of uh, the press coverage or the people that were, uh, that, that were dealing with you? It was happening. There's no question it was happening. It was happening a lot because it was being fed by the prosecutor, but it was also happening, I'm sad to say, within the Jewish community, within the Orthodox community, of this sense of, as far as they were concerned, if it was in the newspaper and if it was a leak from the, quote, law enforcement sources, they believed it. it you know, they didn't want to hear anybody else's side of the story. They just automatically wanted to believe everything that was, was in the newspapers and, uh, and unfortunately, that continues to be a problem as, as you know, I'm involved with Howard and his family in cases where we try to assist people who are going through this. And um, unfortunately, they, they tell us in many cases that their friends disappear. Uh, well, let's talk a little bit. Find out who your friends are. Well, let's talk again. And besides the CEO who came over to you and said, you know, don't be a white n-word right did you ever feel that uh, did you ever sense the fact that you were being 
mistreated by the COs or anyone because of your because of your keeper or some of the other people that were um, some of the other inmates? Did you ever feel that that was, you know, a, some sort of br- brutal behavior because of that? Yeah, the, the fact is the COs in the you know facilities that I was in. Um, in New York State facilities were really controlled by the correction officers, not by the inmates. Unlike Rikers, where I spent a couple of weeks at the beginning of, of the sentence. At Rikers, it was the inmates who controlled the narrative. And, you know, they, you know, wanted to create trouble. They wanted to create noise. You know, the second somebody who's uh, an Orthodox Jew is, is in the system with them, they immediately begin spreading rumors. Oh, he must be a sex abuser, and that's the you know the traditional thing. And you know, fortunately, there was a Latino guy who was there with me in Rikers, and who um, happened to speak to his family and say, "Could you check this guy out?" And he saw that it wasn't a sex case, and he went around telling people, "Don't accuse this guy of being a sex offender. He had nothing to do with that." And so, you know, you see, you know, I, I know we're talking about a difficult situation, a situation with a lot of bleakness and discrimination against Jews, but occasionally something comes out of it where you see somebody actually doing a kindness. Um, they don't know the guy, never met the guy, and he goes and asks his family so that he can verify, and then he says, guys, don't do this. So it was, it, was, it was good to find some sort of an ally there. I mean, you find that, you know, fortunately, in, in, in most places, there are people who step up. I mean, there are, you know, people, good people who make mistakes and who are behind bars and, and play, you know, a, a positive role in trying to help other people, trying to not let people get bullied. Um, you know, there, there, there are people who find themselves together in wherever it was, uh, are going to bond and, and, and give each other chizuk. There's no question about that. The question is, are they are they more persecuted uh, than others? Is really again, which is what Rabbi Weiss. No, was no question, and it's sadly, it's usually the system. At least in New York State, it was the system that persecutes them. Just as an illustration, in Woodburn, um, you know, the chaplains were terrific. They advocated and so on. We actually got to a point of getting eight people who wanted to be, or they weren't all observant, but they wanted to observe Shabbos and they wanted to be able to pray. And when we got to the point of eight, which is close to a minion, they sent two to different facilities. And we asked, what's going on? The chaplains went, they found out what went on. The New York City, New York State Department of Corrections and Community Supervisions acts as though a minion is a gang. Mm-hmm. So if you get to a minion, you've got a gang. So they send them out. So so it's, it's so it really it sounds like to, to sort of like sum up here, it sounds like it's it's not so much the uh, the inmates and uh, the COs. It's more the system itself is and is and has antipathy towards the right. orthodoxy, especially. Um, I want to bring in. Um, we'll, get, we'll come back on the second subject with you, Willie. Thank you for for your candor and, and, and revisiting uh, such a painful part of your life, um, David. Um, I know when you were incarcerated. Um, I don't know if you were Orthodox at the time. Uh, I don't. From from my conversations with you, I don't think you were. 
but you are familiar with with the with with the plight of Orthodox people uh, that have been uh, incarcerated. What was what was your observations uh, to the subject? My observations um, pre-incarceration during the course of one's an offender's case, a Jewish offender's case, is was similar in um, the description that Willie provided. But my experience, and of course, I did eleven years in prison in three different federal prisons. Um, all of which were, uh, you know, highly um, populated prisons, 1,400 inmates approximately per prison. My experience was very different than Willie's. In fact, it was quite opposite. Uh, I experienced some of what Willie's talking about in pretrial and during my case. Interestingly, my prosecutor and judge were both Jewish. The woman prosecutor was my age and a Jewish woman, and my judge who I had, had appeared for. I was a member of the federal trial bar in Chicago for 15 years. I appeared before this judge many times as a trial lawyer. At first, the uh, my attorney thought that that would be a positive. It turned out to be a big negative. Even at my sentencing, he commented how disappointed he was in me and the fact that I was a, a member of the bar and this and that. So my experience, but that was with Jewish individuals. When I got to prison, actually, Believe it or not, I didn't experience much of any of what Willie's talking about. And I was at a prison other than Otisville um, with, well, possibly Fort Dix, but probably the third highest volume of or numbers of Jewish inmates. And we had five Orthodox couple from Israel. We had a minion every Saturday for three straight years. I assisted in running the service and I was not an observant Jewish inmate prior to coming to prison. I loved it, really embraced it. There was a lot of respect for these these individuals on the on the compound, and this was a camp actually, and it was uh, the, the population was over fourteen hundred inmates. Where I ran into a little bit of a difficulty was with the chaplain at that prison, who would from time to time, because these certain of these Orthodox inmates would lean on, and I'm not going to name him, but a particular rabbi in Brooklyn was a lot of influence uh, with the federal, I don't know about the state, Willie may know who he is if I named him, but in the federal system for sure. And and the leverage these inmates would use is, look, we're either going to get our way or we're going to go to Rabbi Blank and he's going to call the warden and the next day we're going to get what we want. That didn't go over too well with these correctional officers, although that leverage did work oftentimes. But I think that created an attitude among at that particular prison, among many of the correctional officers about what they would perceive as the arrogance of the Jewish inmates. The the arrogance to use, uh, they wanted to exercise, quote unquote, their religious right to certain dispensations, right? There were certain things that they wanted and they felt we need to be able to have this because otherwise we can't exercise our religion properly can you give an example like an well, like what abdallah and the different services we'd have they wouldn't allow us to use candles and light a candle because there could be a fire mm-hmm. and these guys leveraged them and said look you're going to give us a match we're going to light this candle the correctional officer could certainly you know observe and then take the match out of our hands basically some of these guys were very strong-willed and said this is what's going to happen yeah, I mean, now you don't usually talk that way to a correctional officer or a, or a chaplain. Mm-hmm. And it was it was a stressful time at times. Um, but I want to, you know, turning to another issue real quick, Willie's comment, too, about uh, inmates. At each of the prisons I was at, you had factions of inmates. I'll call the Farrakhan group, the Farrakhan type of clan. 
you would think there'd be big issues there too, but there was really, even though they disliked us a lot, I'm sure, there was never an open showing of it. And remember, I was in prison 11 years, so I couldn't have missed it if it was happening. There were no incidents, not a single incident, meaning a physical incident or any, even any kind of verbal altercation that I can recall. That doesn't mean there, there, there was, I guess, a respect there, even though there wasn't a liking of us. But I really didn't experience it in the way that, you know, uh, you know I un- I've heard stories many times, of course, as Willie's relating. But in my personal experience, by and large, as I told you before, as we were preparing for today, unless the, the observant inmate was pushing the envelope in such a way, and I, I used the example of during a visit, a particular uh, Orthodox uh, inmate insisted to the correctional officers that he had to wear to fill in during the entirety of the visit for like five, six hours. And they allowed him reluctantly to do it. But then when they investigated whether it was legitimate and they found out it wasn't, this guy was given a hard time the remainder of his bid. So so this is well, you explained this to me before, but just to, because it sounds a little bit uh, a little bit strange, he was being visited by a family member or by a rabbi or a lawyer of his. Right. Well, and family the, members in this family case. member. And he wanted to be able to don his uh, phylacteries, his tefillin. I guess his talus too. I don't know. But Correct. I, I would assume he, wa- he, he wanted the whole regalia to be okay. able to, to, to wear that. Yes. And, and insisted that it was a necessity, that he must. You know, not, not indicating that he'd be praying or doing anything else during the course of the visit, but just saying this is a, a requirement for him to do. And it, it was a very stressful time uh, for him because he went back and forth with the correctional officer's family, was waiting. They wouldn't allow it. They, finally, they allowed it. But then when they found out it wasn't a requirement, however, they found out yeah. later, he was given a very hard time from then on for, uh, for, for longer than a year. I yeah, there. I want to bring in Yitzhak, our my co-host here, who obviously observes uh, what goes on in prisons all the time. He's as the chief of chaplaincy in Waymar Prison. Uh, but I just want to tell you, you told me this story earlier this afternoon, and I called up um, someone who's been on this program before, Mike. You might remember Mike, who was the uh, CEO for th- over 30 years in Cook County Jail, and I asked him about this. And he said to me, he never saw he never saw anything like that. Uh, a, a, a person in the visiting room ever put on tefillin or anything like that. He, he, it was very, very what you were describing is very unusual. And and I just want to say what Mike said to me. Of course, Mike, as you know, was an Orthodox Jew, but he couldn't really show favoritism. He would try to send the message to the Orthodox inmates in Cook County not to wear their kippah, not to appear publicly. And he said it was because he said the the gang members and the other people that made up most of the prison population walk into prison with the prejudices enhanced uh, that they got from their homes. And therefore, anybody walking around, this, this was his feeling, anybody walking around as an obvious Orthodox Jew was asking for trouble. And he uh, he advised, but not not like Willie was saying because of the system, he felt it was more uh, the danger from everybody around them. He said the COs, he says there's always some bad apples, but most of the COs are okay. Yitzchak, are you ready to uh, respond here about filling in the visiting room? How does that sound to you? In, in Pennsylvania, you can't even wear a yarmulke in the visiting room. You can't wear, uh, a, a Muslim woman cannot wear a hijab in the, in the visiting room. So the visiting rooms are 
under a lot of scrutiny because that is the number one place where contraband would be in, uh, introduced into a, a prison is in the visiting room. Mm-hmm. So, so, uh, so they can know, he, they, they can wear the kippa or the yarmulke uh, in the cell, but when they come to meet their wife or children, whoever is coming to visit, or their rabbi, they have to have the yarmulke off. Correct, correct. They uh, and uh, uh, not that uh, the kippa aspect, but I, I was with five uh, inmates in the three prisons I was at who regularly wore kippas, and not once did I witness anything that was uncomfortable from any either inmate or staff regarding the wearing of a kippah. Never. So, so, so unlike what you heard, what uh, uh, Rabbi Kolakowski said is the Pennsylvania uh, state law that they cannot wear any hat or anything in the visiting room. And in, in the federal prison you were in, David, that was not the case. You could wear the kippah, but I'm also referring to even on the compound, anywhere else where they were wearing kippahs. My comment was, gonna, was again going to be, I never observed any prejudices whatsoever in the wearing of a kippah. In fact, it was the opposite. Uh, what I witnessed was respect for the Jewish inmates in that regard. But that, that simply was my personal experience. Right. Yeah. Well, obviously, we, we haven't done a scientific study and we haven't spoke with a lot of people about it. And clearly, you know, it's almost like a yeshiva, if you don't mind the metaphor. Like, what is your yeshiva like? It really depends which year. It depends which kids you got that year, <laughs> right? So it, it could be, like, if we talk about, you know, uh, you could say the differences between Willie's experience is state and yours was federal, but it could just be the attitude of uh, of the, the particular COs that, that, that were in Willie's prison versus the COs that were in yours. I don't know. I mean, I don't I think, think that's more, I think that's more likely to be the case than state versus federal. That's yeah, my view. Right. Yeah. Willie, you, would you, would you concur that it's probably just, you know, it just, it happens. Oh, to I, be- I, I think it's different facilities. Uh, New York state has 30 or 40 different prisons. And, you know, the three or four that I was in just happened to be probably closer to New York City, within two hours of New York City. If you went further up north, you probably had uh, more, more correction officers who were uncomfortable with people wearing yarmulkes, and more of them were uncomfortable with Blacks and Hispanics, too. Uh, you know, so that was even a more volatile situation than the people with the yarmulkes. Uh, you know, so yes, absolutely. I mean, it depends on the facility, it depends on the makeup of the facility. But, you know, I, I think what David was saying is, is absolutely so, is I think there are less issues with inmates. And, you know, I found myself um, having a respectful relationship with Muslims, including some Farrakhans, some not Farrakhans. Uh, but basically, you know, they, they saw us as being in this together, that this was, you know, we were in a really bad situation. Uh, Guards tended not to like their folks. They ended up like the people um, who, who I was hanging with, with yarmulkes or beards or whatever, who was who visibly observant. And um, they kind of identified with that. You know, we would go to prayer, they would go to prayer. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had special diet needs. Uh, we had special diet needs. Yeah. Yeah, you have to remember too, every and I'm sure, you know, obviously Willie knows this, but Ramadan is a major event, and the Rabbi Kolakowski knows better than me. But it's sure. a major a major um uh 
situation in prisons and in terms of population size, participation, et cetera. So from that standpoint, I think that's where some of the mutual respect comes that Willie's talking about, because they're, they're going through much of the same in terms of dietary issues and prayer, et cetera. So there are some. So that, so, so in a way, the, the influx of, of Islamic prisons, we've spoken about it on this program has actually helped in a way, open up the dispensations for the Orthodox Jews, because it's clearly happening, maybe maybe not in the same level and not in the same extent. Uh, Yitzchok has talked about it. Uh, Rabbi Kolakowski has talked about how, how, how incredible their meals are, the id that they have after right. the end of Ramadan. But yeah, if, if I may, I think that it's probably the years of advocacy on behalf of Orthodox Jews that have helped make it easier for the Muslim prisons, prisoners and they've been able to carry it to new level. I mean, they're able to have their meals after fasting in the dining room at 10 o'clock uh, in, at night, whereas after a Jewish fast, whether it's Tisha B'Av or Yom Kippur, um, you're lucky if they give you a yogurt uh, to have in yourself. Right. You know, they're not accommodating the Jewish fast. What do you yeah, w- w- One thing is that the... It, 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 when it comes to sentencing, that always depends on the judge. You're going to have some judges, you know, there was the case of, uh, what was his name? Is And the, the judge, you know, made a very big deal that, you know, you should have known better. You know, you, you're, you're a, a rabbi, you're a student of the Torah, you know the Ten Commandments, you know thou shalt not steal. And she made a very, very big deal about that. And it was quite often brought up in his defense that there was a feeling that there was a prejudice uh, because of that. And that's that's why he received such a large sentence. He, you know, he's since uh, been released. Uh, I, I, I think his, his sentence was commuted by President Trump, but that was, um, or, or there was some other situation why he, he left. Why he's not, why I, I, why he's. Uh, so so you believe you believe that Samet's sentence was was uh, more severe because the judge held him to a higher standard and wanted yeah, to punish him. Yeah, you know, I don't. I, but I don't think that necessarily she would have uh, treated him differently if he were a clergy member of any other religion. I, so I don't think it's. I don't think I would not blame anti-Semitism on this. I would say it's. Uh, it's 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 you know she she probably would have if if he was a I understand know, a man a of the cloth or something else yeah, and yeah. Not, you know not even necessarily a, I understand a, he wasn't really a, a, you know like a, a rav he, he maybe had smicha he was an ordained rabbi but he wasn't he wasn't operating as as a rav or anything or a rabbi or anything or a shiva I understand but uh, you know even if it was a you know. I think Yitzhak, I, I think one of the problems, and I mentioned this to um, to uh, David earlier. You know, they, they both have left us now, but I mentioned this to David earlier that the judges don't have the subtlety and understanding to know just because a person appears like a chassid shayid doesn't mean he's a rov. He might just be someone who was raised in that community, and of course, he's going to dress in a certain way and have payas and and, and have a certain way of of, of mannerisms. Because that's 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 the community that spawned him, right? That's where you know. But, but on the other hand, I've seen other situations. There was a there was a case here in our in our neighborhood where 
uh, Magashir, he was uh, accused of raping a, a student of his uh, by uh, by uh, Manal of, of the yeshiva, and it was all over the news and everything, and the judge, you know, looked at the facts of the case and everything, and felt that there was not sufficient uh, evidence to convict, and, and, and he did not convict, and, and, you know, and it was a big controversy, and there were people on both sides uh, within the Frum community here in Sullivan County uh, over this situation, and, and there's still a lot of, uh, even this was many years ago already, there's still a lot of hurt feelings about on, so, on both sides from this. It definitely takes a certain, like that, you know, the lady justice being blind. You have to uh, clearly, uh, you know, park your prejudices, your expectations, uh, you know. The, the reason I bring that up is not really to, to air that dirty laundry, but rather to show that there are there are judges who, who do have the blind justice. And then, but then, you know, we brought up these issues about uh, within the prison system. Once once someone's in the system, how are they treated? How are they? You know, it it uh, again, it's always a case by case basis. But I do think there is a difference between, as much as I think in the prosecution, the federal system, uh, you know, that I, when when I was involved with it, and I think it it needed a much it, and received a much needed. Uh, rectification because they were they were overly prosecutory and it was it was a very major problem and a, a lot of it has been remedied although there's still a lot more to go uh, once you're in the federal system uh, it's much easier to keep mitzvahs in the federal prison than than any, any other than any than any state not not only uh, New York State is probably the easiest of all the state systems and and the major issue that New York State has is that there's no consistency in anything, whereas That's the federal system is fairly uniform and they have a guideline, the book for all the different religions, how to, you know, what are the, the general guidelines of, you know, how to minister to different faith groups and how to be knowledgeable. New York State, you know, right now we're, we're in the middle in, in Waymart. We're about to... What David told us was that maybe we should be careful about pushing the envelope for demanding certain religious freedoms for our Orthodox brethren who are incarcerated. Because it seems like, although we might be able to legislate and, and, and use legal means to get certain things for them in order for them to practice their religion more fully, it does seem to have a ricochet effect sometimes within that prison and maybe in the general zeitgeist where people are saying, oh, the Jews are, the Orthodox Jews want this more and more, and it, it might have a, a, a ricochet effect. Gary, do you think that's the case? In listening to the other gentlemen speaking, uh, I, I want to say that a principle kept uh, playing in my head that I was exposed to when I first became involved with Lubavitch, and that is this that whether they know it or not, the Gentiles, even if they're anti-Semitic, deep down, knowingly or unknowingly, what they want to see is a Jew acting like a Jew, asserting his Jewishness and not backing down, not being a coward, not being afraid to uh, stand out as a Jew. And 
I, uh, especially listening to the fellow who was speaking about the fact that he encountered really very little, if no uh, problems from the other inmates. In fact, he, he felt that there was respect being given. Um, I, I think that that principle holds true. Nobody likes a coward, whether it's for religious reasons or any, anyone else. People I, in my life experience generally appreciate somebody who's a stand-up guy. So, uh, so Gary, well, Gary, I appreciate what you're saying, and I'm not trying to cut you off. No, but, oh, but there's an area where you are. We don't need to defer to Rabbi Scheinman. You have defended people. Um, you yourself uh, appeared in court wearing a kippah, right? The judges. Yes, yes. Yes. Okay. Did you ever feel that there was a sense that the person that was the judge or the system was somehow uh, upset at you or upset at your client or because there's orthodox jews involved did you feel that there was uh, which is again goes to the heart of what rabbi weiss was telling us last week did you ever sense that no no as a matter of fact i will tell you i felt emboldened by it i really did i felt emboldened i felt i felt that i had more courage in chutzpah when i wore my tzitzis out and when i wore the beard and when i wore the yarmulke uh, I, I cannot cite any examples of where I was mistreated or frowned upon for that reason, certainly <laughs> the other reasons, but that's, that's, but that's the nature of the game. It's a, it's an adversarial situation. And sometimes your judges are more adversarial than your, uh, than your adversaries, but you, you, t- that's part of the game. It's part of the territory. Okay. You learn to live with it. You roll with the punches. But no. And, and when a period yeah, before my, jury. My, Gary, my judge was Judge Shader. But... Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.